Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. This is Malcolm Hawker. I'm your host of the CDO Matters podcast. This is our 14th episode of CDO, CDO Matters. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that we just started a few months ago and, and we're already at our 14th episode. Time certainly does fly. We are now here entering uh, the last few days of 2022. Been an interesting year to say the least. Um, I'm going to spare you one of the, you know, kind of the year in summary type uh, podcasts or things that you see uh, online this time of year. Um, I am going to talk more about data strategy today. Uh, and interestingly, I'm not going to have a guest. I'm going to be the guest. Uh, we're trying something a little bit new here uh, and, and tapping my wealth of knowledge that I gained while as a Gartner analyst and, and having run and implemented MDM programs and data governance programs and been a vendor, consultant, analyst, buyer, you name it. Uh, I've got a number of years of, of under my belt here of, of knowing what works and what doesn't work. So we're going to just go with me as the guest today. This podcast is really a result of a post that I had made on LinkedIn a little while ago in reaction to some ongoing uh, dialogue related to chief data officer tenures. And I had noted some recent research that said that uh, CDO tenures were uh, relatively short, two, maybe two and a half years. And by comparison to CIOs, there were half of that. So the average CIO tenure was up, upwards above four years, pushing to five years. And that was really what led to this conversation today. I wanted to dive in to try to understand, okay, well, why is that? And there's a number of reasons why CDO tenures are, to are short. One of them is it's a relatively new role. I think that one's an easy one to explain. Relatively new role and a lot of leadership teams and a lot of companies are just kind of coming to terms for the first time with, with what does this mean? What are the roles and responsibilities? What are the expectations of, of a chief data officer? And I think that there most certainly are some, some growing pains there. There are other reasons for short tenures. I think the biggest one is beyond this just kind of being growing pains. I think the biggest one is, I'll be honest here and say a failure to deliver value at least a failure to deliver value in a relatively quick amount of time. That's really what we're going to be talking about today. You've noticed on the thumbnail, today's topic is the MVP, minimum viable product of a data strategy. If you ask me why CDO tenures are short, yes, it's a new role. Yes, they're struggling to deliver value. Yes, they're struggling to connect uh, investments in data and analytics and the delivery of business outcomes. That'll be, that's a separate podcast. So, so the inability to deliver tangible business value in the form of measurable KPIs, huge issues for, for CDOs. And is an ongoing topic of this podcast, ongoing topic of the things that I put on LinkedIn and on and on. We're not going to focus on there today. What we're going to focus on more is the strategy aspects. So job number one of the chief data officer is to define a data strategy for an organization. When I was a Gartner analyst talking to over 1,500 CIOs and CDOs day in and day out, one, of the th one common theme really emerged in relation to data strategy. And the common theme was 
was that data strategy was put as this, this long pole, this dependency of something that I need to do first before I can really start to, 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 to make inroads from kind of from an execution or an implementation perspective. So I would see often CDOs would, would come into their role and they say, okay, job number one on day one is to define my data strategy. And that took a reasonable amount of time <laughs> for any, 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 any sizable company at all. I mean, you're talking a, a, about a lot of different things to consider here in terms of, of, of a data strategy. And often what I saw was that as CDOs would embark on this data strategy, they would rightfully be looking at things like your data and analytics governance maturity, right? You'd rightfully be looking at things like the overall operating model. You'd rightfully be looking at things like the corporate culture, right? And CDOs would go about defining these strategies and would talk to senior business leaders, talk to fellow members of the C-suite, talk to the CIO, talk to others and say, okay, what, what do you want to have happen here? And CDOs would learn, well, we want to do A, B, and C. These are the key outcomes that we want to drive. We want to digitally transform. We want to revolutionize our customer experience. We want to optimize our supply chain. Whatever those high-level outcomes are, um, CDOs would relatively quickly figure these things out. But as a part of doing kind of their discovery about the, 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 the landscape and the culture and the operating model and, and, and the existing competencies of a team, what a lot of CDOs would soon discover is that there were gaps between where they needed to be from a culture perspective, from an operating model perspective, from a competency perspective, and those gaps would exist. And a CDO would say, okay, I need to close those gaps in order to successfully deliver on the business, the expected business outcomes of that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And it was those things, those dependencies, those gaps, right? Whether we're talking about culture, whether we're talking about operating model, whether we're talking about governance or maturity or, or competency levels or, or, or on and on, these gaps would be kind of positioned as hard dependencies in order to get anything done or hard dependencies in order to fulfill on those key outcomes that, that were identified as, as must have priorities. So what this led to often was CDOs thinking that they had to change a corporate culture of an organization before they could make any really big inroads, right? I would hear all the time, a CDO would be brought in. I, I, I vividly recall one conversation that I had with the CDO of a, of a large consumer packaged good globally operating consumer packaged goods company who, who said, well, you know, we, we need to optimize our supply chain and we need to revolution our customer, revolutionize our customer experience. But those are kind of two key things that were tied to a digital transformation. And in order to get the visibility that that CDO needed to do all of that, in order to get access to the data that the CDO needed to do that, um, the CDO kind of acknowledged that, hey, we've got a bunch of fiefdoms within our operating model. We've got the, you know, the Brazilian business and we've got the Canadian business and we've got all of these business. Not only are we operating at a, at a country specific level, but we're operating at it from a divisional level. So we've got individual divisions within each of these companies. And, and you know what? These companies don't like to share data. Uh, these different divisions don't even really kind of like to share data. We've got a highly, highly, highly decentralized operating model. And I need to fix that in order to deliver on my mandate. And I would be called up as a Gartner analyst to say, okay, well, how do I fix that? How do I make this company become slightly more centralized? 
is a great example. How do we become slightly more centralized from a data management perspective? Because in order to deliver on this mandate that I've got from a strategy perspective, that's what we need to do. We need to take a kind of a more centralized, maybe a little bit more of a top-down approach to managing some of the data and some of the business processes. Maybe not all of them, but, but maybe some of them. And I would ask, okay, well, first of all, <laughs> um, do, do you have the kind of the firepower behind you, right? Do you have the support of the CEO even to do that? Right. And often the answer was whether it was this one use case that I'm talking about or others. This this was a common theme, by the way, is that I need to change the operating model of the business somehow, some way in order to be successful as a CDO. I'd say, OK, well, do you have the firepower behind you to do that? Do you have the air cover of the CEO to do that? And 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 often the, the, the question, the answer was, yeah, I, I think so. But I've gone and talked to the divisional leaders and they don't think that they have that mandate. So this is a long way of saying is that that CDO was walking in basically to a lion's den. And as much as changing that operating model, and, and not only is this an operating model, but this is very much a culture as well. These things, these things from the perspective of centralized business process management versus decentralized business process management, operating model and culture are hardwired together. So to try to change that, you're talking years and years and years, right? Especially for a very, very big company. But the world that we live in now is a world of you've got six months to deliver something here, right? This is a world of digital transformation. This is a world of digital acceleration. This is a world of constant change and disruption, whether that is global pandemics or supply chain interruptions or, or, or changing customer needs, right? Or maybe that's some new startup that is trying to disrupt your business. It, it doesn't matter. We, we live in a world where asking your organization for three to four years in order to deliver value as a CDO is a really, really tall order. So I would argue that one of the reasons for very, very short CDO tenures is that they rightfully identify that some fundamental things about the way that the business operates needs to change. And, and, that's, and that's generally accurate, right? And, and those things do absolutely positively need to change in the longer run. However, when you put those organizational changes, those culture changes, those operating model changes as dependencies to be able to deliver value, and if you make those changes your top priority, you're going to have a hard, hard, hard time delivering value in the short term. And a year will go by and your CEO will be asking, OK, what, what did our new CDO deliver? Well, <laughs> we've hired some very, very expensive consultants. Uh, we may have a high-level roadmap. We may have some other discovery done. We may know where some of the data lives. Maybe we've even built some data catalogs and some other, some other kind of interesting anecdotal insights based on the purchase of a lot of tech, right? Like a data catalog or other governance tools or that kind of things. But in terms of the business value, the things that the business really cares about, where are we? Well, that CDO could step back and say, well, you know, I, I couldn't do that because you gave me a mandate to become more centralized from a business process management perspective, or you gave me a mandate of, of, of changing the way that marketing operates, or you've given me a mandate in essence of changing the way that procurement operates, and I'm doing my best to execute those changes, but I'm running into friction and I'm running, I'm running into pushback from those divisional departments. And even yes, you may have given me the mandate and you may have said that this is important and, I, and, and you've said that I had the air cover, but when I went to go talk to those people, they don't want to change or they feel that they don't have the edict to change or they feel like 
changing will negatively impact their ability to deliver outcomes for the business. And I'm trying to change all of those things. And I'm trying to change the operating model because that's what's required to deliver on the outcomes that you told me are important, but I'm having a hard time doing it. And that's why I haven't delivered anything in the last 12 to 18 months, which negative or which, which ultimately will probably lead to some sort of reevaluation of the, of the program as a whole. So as a result of that, what I want to share with you today, not that button, uh, what I want to share with you today is, is something I'm, I'm calling the, the data strategy MVP, right? If there was one, there isn't one, there's, there's a lot of things that I would recommend to, to, to new CDOs. But from the perspective of data strategy, which is almost always job number one for a new CDO, go and define a data strategy. If there was one, one little kind of bit of advice that I could give to you, it would be to try to be as agile, capital A, as agile as possible when it comes to defining a data strategy, right? So when looking at this model, and again, my apologies if you are on the uh, if you're on the audio only uh, channels here. I'll, I'll try to describe the, this model, which is available at prophecy.com, which I posted on uh, LinkedIn a couple of times already. So th th this model here is what I'm calling the the MVP data strategy, and it really kind of has two different kind of circles, right? Uh, spinning wheels, as as it were. There's one circle on the outside that that talks about the uh, what I would call largely are, are kind of your constraints, right? Where I would argue things like kind of your overall business strategy, right? Your overall culture and operating model and your data and analytics governance maturity. These things are not going to change in the short run. You're going to need years to change these things that are on this outer ring of this model. Right. So do you need to know what your data and analytics governance maturity is? Yes. Do you need to know what your culture and operating model is? Of course you do. But I would argue if you start with step number one, defining kind of your overall desired key outcomes, where those outcomes would obviously want to foot and tie back to your overall business strategy. So, you know, an alignment between data strategy, high level outcomes of a data strategy and the business strategy have those things aligned, of course. But then go about understanding what your culture and operating model is, what your some of your kind of your roadblocks are going to be, right? You could you could identify that you want a, a overall outcome of, let's just say, let, let's 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 re-architect or re-engineer our, for example, our supplier onboarding process. If you wanted to optimize your relationship with your suppliers, you could want better supplier management or, 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 or better um, procurement processes or a more exceptional customer experience. Maybe that's a better example, customer experience, because everybody's focused on that. Uh, most are focused on supply as well, but only when you're make, making stuff. So everybody's got customers. Let's focus on customer. Let's let's say that you could have a, a desired outcome here of uh, you want to significantly enhance the customer experience. Maybe right now you've kind of got low net promoter scores or you've got challenges related to retention or cost of acquisition is high and you want to improve your customer experience with the ultimate goal of improving your customer retention. Let's say that that is kind of a, a high level outcome that you want. You can quickly identify that. We're not talking about weeks and months to figure that stuff out. <laughs> it's probably something that was included, a topic that was being discussed uh, during your recruitment, I, I would have to imagine. We, we, we are seeking a CDO in order to 
uh, deliver more exceptional customer experiences and improve our retention, right? Through better data management. So you can identify is that is that one of the key uh, kind of the, the the key outcomes here. And then the next step would be to understand what what environment are you operating in. Yes, you want to improve your customer retention, your customer experiences, but what is your what is your overall operating environment here? Right. How willing is marketing our marketing and sales going to be to work with you as the CDO? How do they operate? How does marketing and sales operate? Are, are they relatively autonomous? Do they have a lot of freedom in order to manage customer relationships? Or is that more of a collaborative enterprise within the environment? Right. So understanding the environment you're going to be operating in from kind of a culture perspective, who thinks they own the customer? When you embark on this, you're going to hear that word often. Well, we own the customer. We're financing. We own the customer. Sales owns the customer or account services owns the customer. Who thinks they own the customer today? Is there a belief that one group owns them or is it more of a, again, a collaborative thing? This will start to give you some insights into the overall operating the model that, you, that you're working with. Then sit down and have conversations with those people. What does owning customer data mean to you as VP of marketing or to you as VP of sales? You'll start to understand how hard maybe are some of the kind of the, the, the lines between silos, the lines between operating groups, right? Is there a highly collaborative environment there or is there more of a friction type environment where, where people don't really like to share data and, uh, and, and maybe sales has a bit of a distrust of marketing and vice versa. Maybe the product organization thinks that sales and marketing are, are not, opt op not operating that well and maybe product thinks they own the customer. It's those types of things you wanna kind of get a feel for, right? In terms of what is the operating model? What's the overall culture when it comes to this data, this one key outcome? By the way, by the way, a key to this whole thing, being MVP driven here, is to focus on a limited number of outcomes. I should have stressed that early on in step number one when defining what your outcomes are going to be. Limited number of outcomes, not all of them, one or two, right? If you want to take an MVP approach here to a strategy, and I would argue that is the best thing that you can do to start showing some quick wins is to start showing some value and not get stuck in an 18 month long discovery and consulting engagement where you're trying to figure out how to address all of those key dependencies that we talked about earlier. Instead, focus on one or two key outcomes. Improving customer retention is a great example. Lowering your supply costs is a great example. Uh, optimizing your supplier relationships, consistent terms of pricing with things that you're buying from your suppliers, on and on, a KPI. I'm talking about a specific business outcome where you will have KPIs that are tied to customer retention. Not very many, right? Maybe a half a dozen that could be tied to customer retention, right? But be limited in your focus of what outcomes you want. So the whole key to this model, guys, the whole key to being kind of agile capital A, taking more of an MVP approach here is to say, I'm not going to solve for everything from a data strategy perspective. I'm not. In time, when we look at this model, there's a reason why it's a wheel here. This wheel is going to spin. So you will deliver, right? You'll show some value and then you'll do it again. And then you'll do it again. And then you'll do it again. And over time, you will address every aspect of your data strategy. You'll, it, over time, you will. But in the short term, take a very limited, very focused approach on a limited set of outcomes. I would argue one, maybe two at the most, at the most. But getting back to those conversations around kind of data culture, figuring out what what where, where you're operating, what's the environment that you're walking into, and knowing what are some of those kind of those hard boundaries you think you're going to hit, 
right? What are some of the hard boundaries within sales, within marketing, within these, these organizations? Where are people going to be willing to work with you and where aren't they going to be willing to work with you because of cultural constraints, because of constraints within the operating model? Same is true when we work around to the next, to the next kind of stop on this model, which is data and, and, and analytics governance maturity, right? You are going to find that you have, you have probably, <laughs> probably some gaps to fill from an overall data and analytics governance maturity, right? Do you need to go and hire some expensive consultants to do a maturity assessment? Well, probably not. Probably not for this go around. Right for 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 future go arounds and and when you want to address things on a more of an enterprise wide perspective, perhaps. But I think you will quickly find right if if you go into this and you've got one or two or three analysts that you can work with, if you've got a team of people that you can work with to hold these interviews and to have these conversations, right? I think you're going to find rather quickly where you stand from a data and analytics governance perspective, from a maturity perspective, right? You can go hire some consultants to do a maturity assessment if you want. Chances are what they're going to come back with is out of a scale of five, you come back at a two or a 2.5. I just, I saw that over and over and over and over again. The results are almost always the same. And what they almost always say for new CDOs is that, yeah, the data, gen, your data tends to be highly siloed. You take a bit of a firefighting or reactionary approach to data management. You've got some data quality issues. Data is not really being used as a, a leveraged as an asset from an analytical perspective. You've got some distrust with your reports. You may have some reports that are being produced you know, regularly. You've got some dashboarding, but often it's highly siloed within individual departments or operating units. You lack some enterprise-wide views. You know, the, the, the symptoms of a level two maturity here are, are common right, and are easily identified based on some of the things that I just shared with you and, and, and other maturity models that are widely available online. Do you need to go and hire Deloitte to go apply their, their, their maturity model? Well, maybe in time, but I would say if you want to be MVP and if you want to be quick and you want to show quick wins, you could probably have three or four or five days worth of interviews with key stakeholders and understand pretty quickly where you are. And chances are everything I just described describes where you are. Highly siloed, highly reactionary, lack of an enterprise-wide data strategy, lack of an enterprise-wide governance model, lack of enterprise-wide MDM, on and on. The, 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 what I saw here as a Gartner analyst was almost consistent. It was always that way. So again, these kind of things from the outer ring of this model, when it comes to your overall business strategy, when it comes to your culture and your operating model, when it comes to your overall governance maturity, you are not going to change these things in the short term. These are constraints and you need to figure out how to operate within those constraints in terms of delivering value quickly to your organization. So do you need to fix them in the long term? Problem, probably yes, <laughs> right? You, you certainly need to up your game from a data analytics governance perspective. You probably need to address some of these issues related to your culture and your operating model. But are you going to make that a hard dependency in order to deliver value? No. You need to find a way to deliver value within those constraints. If you want to extend your tender tenure, if you want to avoid a situation where in 12 to 18 months you're being evaluated and around you know, some sort of inability to deliver value, if you want to be MVP, I would argue, I would stress to take, take those things in the outer ring of this model as, as, as constraints and find ways to work around them, right? A great example here, a great example is leveraging more analytical insights instead of operational insights. 
And what I mean by that is you could, you could identify pretty quickly. Let's get back to the customer experience model here. You could identify, or the customer experience deliverable. You could identify pretty quickly that the way that you onboard customers and the way that you manage customer data is probably likely pretty broken. <laughs> Almost always is, right? Where you've got salespeople doing some silly shenanigans in, in your CRM, uh, where you, there's no integration between your CRM and between your ERP or, or whatever systems that you use to make things or deliver things or, or, or recognize revenue, that there's a break between CRM and downstream ERP processes almost almost always happens. You can identify that you've got some broken business processes, right? Chances are you do, right? Are you going to say, okay, as a way to solve for better customer experience, I need to change how the business operates. I need to change how we capture customer data in our CRM. I need to put more constraints around how salespeople enter data into the CRM because they need to stop doing stupid stuff when they enter new accounts. All that stuff may be true. It may be true, but addressing any issues related to uh, you know, your, your existing operating model, how you manage customer today, those are not going to be short-term fixes. They're just not. You're going to hit friction. You're going to hit pushback. You're going to hit people in, in sales saying, if you make my salespeople do this, it's going to slow down our ability to close new deals. And the minute that's said, and the minute that happens, you're, you're dead in the water. You're not going to change that operational process. You can keep trying. You can keep trying to kind of pound that round peg into the square hole, but it's not going to happen in the short term. It's just not. So a way to work around that is to focus more on analytical insights. Are there things that you can do from a governance perspective, or at least from an analytical perspective, to at least show and highlight how managing customer data better will deliver on an exceptional customer experience and will deliver on retention. I'll give you an example. Could you use some improved analytics, maybe a little bit of MDM and maybe a little bit of governance, not a ton, but take, take a light-handed approach to those things to deliver a customer 360 that could show where customers are traversing your lines of business or could show how You've got the same customer record five or six times in your in your support system, in your customer, in your, in your kind of your, your, the system you use to manage trouble tickets or, or or any sort of customer support issues. Could you show um, where you have multiple customers showing up, and maybe instead of seeing five records for Acme Incorporated, your customer support people could actually just see one, and all you've done here is to aggregate data and display it a little differently. You haven't changed how customers are onboarded. You haven't changed how salespeople put new, new accounts into your CRM. You haven't changed any of that stuff. You've just created a view using some basic governance rules related to a, how do we define customers, some basic data quality rules about you know, how do we normalize the data and maybe even merge some records together if, if that's an option, uh, um, some, some basic integration, some, some basic maybe MDM, um, and where you've created a 360 view. Now, did you fix all the data? I would say no. Don't do that. Don't put a data quality cleanup in the critical path of what I was just talking about, because that's going to take a long time, right? Can you instead deliver on that outcome that we were talking about, better customer retention, right? Working with the data that you've got. Can a 70% of a solution or an 80% of a solution still deliver on that outcome and still deliver value to the organization? I would argue it can. But again, I used to hear all the time as a Gartner analyst, well, okay, 
Um, even to do a customer 360, to do a really accurate, robust customer 360, I need to fix all the data. Well, good luck with that. Um, one, the data is never fixed fully, right? Two, for most larger organizations, once you start talking about 20, 30, 40,000 customer records, particularly B2C, but even B2B, four, five, 6,000 records, uh, cleaning all of that stuff up, you're talking about hiring a small army. And chances are you're talking about months and months and months and months. And by the time you finish it, you're likely back to where you started from anywhere. So is that data cleanup really going to be part of your MVP in order to deliver value here? No, I would say it's not. I, I would say you need to work instead to set expectations with the business that you're going to get 70% of a solution, not 100% of a solution. But if you're focused on retention, if you're focused on KPIs, if you're focused on outcomes, what you can do is, the, the phrase I used to use is, you can price in some of that inaccurate data, meaning create an expectation with the business that you will improve customer retention 4% instead of 5 or 6 or 7 Know what your marker is, know what you're aiming for, where if you understand the data is probably pretty bad, if you understand your maturity levels are low, and it'll take some time to fix all that other stuff like you know, shenanigans going on in sales or fixing low, you know, poor data quality or poor data integration, all those other things, it'll take time to fix that. But can you still deliver some benefit without getting into these giant galactic prolonged data cleanups, these prolonged initiatives that are take forever and ever to deliver against? I would argue you can. I would argue that you shouldn't fall down into this trap of thinking that you have to clean up all your data and fix for all of these things on this model because you don't. You don't. That's what being agile is all about. How do you deliver value? In the case of this model that I'm sharing with you, how do you deliver value within the constraints that you're dealing with? Particularly from a governance perspective, from a kind of a operating model perspective, from a culture perspective. The middle of this ring is really where the rubber hits the road. It's executing, right? And, and we can have an interesting conversation about, well, strategy isn't execution. <laughs> And, 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 and I know this is a little bit of a twist in this model here, but what I would argue is that to go from an MVP strategy to this, this kind of repeated, prolonged, programmatic focus on strategy, because strategy is not a one and done, it's a program, it's a, it's a living thing that should be consistently revisited. I would argue to go from an MVP phase one limited scope approach to a broader kind of programmatic approach that you do need to deliver. Because the more that you deliver and the more value you show, the more your governance maturity will grow, the more your operating model will likely change, right? The more your stakeholders in marketing, sales, finance, logistics will want to work with you because they'll have seen the value that you have provided in the past. So instead of having a conversation of, I don't want to work with you, I don't want to do this, don't make me change. Don't make me change how we onboard customers or onboard our suppliers or manage any of our processes. You'll go from that to, hmm, well, I heard, I played golf last week with our chief revenue officer, and I heard that you delivered some incredible stuff from a retention perspective. Uh, you enabled cross-selling and upselling, and, we, and our revenue number jumped up. I, could, I, 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 I didn't know we could even do that through better data management. How can I work with you again? How can I work with you, CDO? I want to, I want to do this in, in my world, in my procurement world, or whatever world that is, right? So I would argue here that if you want to succeed as a CDO, if you want to succeed at a data strategy, if you want the data strategy to be an evolution, if you and, and, and it necessarily is, it will need to be, 
I would argue that you do need to incorporate some idea of executing against the strategy as a part of your strategic model. Where you plan to deliver iteratively, where you plan to deliver in small bite-sized chunks as a part of executing on that strategy, where the strategy continually evolves based on your ability to deliver. That's the middle of this ring. This starts to get into more kind of classic data operating model type stuff, right? Where you start over on the right-hand side, where you need to def have defined success metrics, right? You need to go from a high-level metric of better customer retention to what are the actual KPIs needed to do that? What are the five or six or seven KPIs we use to measure retention? There's probably a retention measure metric. There's probably, you know, renewal rates. There's probably average, uh, you know, selling price on renewal. Whatever those metrics are, chances are you've probably got some metrics to, to measure retention or whatever your outcome is. Moving along the model here, you do need to have some sort of gap analysis. You do need to have some sort of roadmap. You need to know where, where all these things fit together, right? So you need to have a high level understanding of what some of the desired outcomes here are as a part of that outer ring. Start high level, have conversations with C-level peers, have conversations with other executive management, understand what their key priorities are, write all those down. You'll probably put together 15 or 20 of them. Right. So you'll have an idea of what that high level roadmap will need to look like. This is this is this is like phase five, 10, 15, 20 in this whole MVP approach. So as a part of that outer ring, as a part of that discovery process, you do need to have some idea at a relatively high level of what your business stakeholders really want from you. That needs to go on a roadmap. But again, focus on one thing and one thing only when you're well, one or two things when you're trying to execute and be more MVP when it comes to this. The governance model. You need to understand what that governance model is going to be. Will you be highly centralized? Will it be highly, highly decentralized, right? Who's going to own data, even though I kind of really despise that phrase because when it comes to data, particularly master data, it's, it's, it's owned collaboratively. The idea that any one person could own a customer record, I think is a, is a little bit of a misnomer. But understanding what the governance model is going to be, what approach to governance you're going to take, who's going to chair your governance committees at an enterprise-wide level and at an operating level, right? This is where things like a governance framework come into play. And there are lots of governance frameworks out there, but having some idea of your governance framework is going to be important. Now, if you had to solve for everything, meaning if you had to solve for every one of those 15 or 20 outcomes that I was talking about just now, if you had to solve for all of those, your governance framework here would be huge, right? And figuring this out as a dependency to deliver on your strategy, again, that's high risk. Right, because if you look at governance and any governance mo framework model, I'm not sharing that with you now. That could be a separate podcast, but just Google data governance framework. There's a lot of them out there. They're all pretty good. We had a good one at Gartner. You'll find a lot of key dependencies that go into a governance framework. Retention, archival, data access, security, even ethics, for heaven's sakes, is <laughs> part, part of a data governance framework. So the reason why we want to be MVP, focused, razor focused on one outcome at a time at the beginning is because when you're focused on one outcome, better customer retention, the governance dependencies there will be limited. You won't need to figure out every business rule for every policy, for every aspect of a governance framework, for every nugget of data in your organization. Over time, as this wheel spins, you'll get there. But for now, you just need to figure out the governance needed to enable better customer retention. Simple, stay focused, keep a limited scope, be agile, deliver on one outcome, 
figure out the governance dependencies for that one outcome instead of figuring out the governance dependencies for everything. Because if you try to figure out the governance dependencies for everything, you're going to be at it every day for the next three years, two to three years, easily, right? And that'll consume every resource you've got. You won't have delivered value and it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not. Your organization, what's the organization here? What, what organization is needed in order to deliver against these short-term priorities? I would argue that most of the positions needed within your data, your data and analytics organization, within your CDO office, um, to deliver on one of those key outcomes, um, a lot of those key you know, roles, responsibilities are, are, are going to be as a part of that initial deliverable. You'll, you'll have business analysts, you'll have some sort of BI expert, you'll probably have some sort of data architect, you'll probably have some sort of overall program lead. You can identify pretty quickly what are the key roles needed in order to deliver against that one outcome. And again, as you do this over and over and over, the team will expand, right? The, the people will expand. You will need to adjust. But I would be—I would argue that even for that phase one deliverable, you have a pretty good foundation from an organization perspective. Separate podcast, we can talk about roles, responsibilities. I've, I've, I've consulted to literally hundreds of companies on how to do this. Technology, the last little bit here. Um, never lead with technology. Technology should always be towards the end of your, your your strategy definition. What are the tools and technologies needed to support everything else we were just talking about? In this case, taking an MVP approach, what are the tools and technologies that are enable that are required to enable better customer retention? Now I can hear a lot of you out there saying, well, wait a minute here. If we just focus on this and have this MVP approach from an IT perspective, well then how do we make sure that we're buying tools that are scalable? How do we make sure that we avoid not buying the same tool over over and over and over again. And this MVP approach doesn't really work from a long-term strategy perspective when it comes to your overall architecture. Some of the concerns there are certainly valid. So you need, you need to find a balance here. That outer ring, kind of that phase one that I was talking about, where you were sitting down with your fellow peers and you're talking to senior executives about what they want and putting together everybody's wish list, right? If you've got an idea of that high-level wish list of all of the things that your stakeholders want, through better data, through better governance. If you've got an idea of what that wish list is, for an architect who is worth his or her salt, I would argue that you could have a pretty decent understanding at a high level, at a high level of what the overall technology architecture should look like. If you looked at all 15 or 20 of those wish list items, I think pretty quickly you'd have a decent understanding of what you needed from a high-level systems perspective. If you knew what some of your constraints were existing today from, a, from, from an operating model perspective, an overall corporate culture perspective, some of the constraints related to your governance maturity, if you understood all of those things, you put them together, I would argue if you had a pretty talented architect, you could find a way to balance short-term, the short-term architecture needed to deliver on this MVP, versus some of the, the tension that may exist with a longer term architecture. You will consistently hear IT architects saying, well, wait a minute, we can't be short-sighted. We need an architecture that is scalable, flexible, that will grow with the business. Those things are absolutely accurate. They are absolutely accurate. But too much of a focus on that could negate your ability to deliver in the short term, right? Do you need to go and buy a massive data governance solution, a, a enterprise class MDM, an enterprise class data quality tool to do all the things that we were just talking about. An example, again, with the customer retention or maybe a customer 360. Do you need to go buy all of those tools to deliver on that? Probably not. 
Probably not. Are those the right tools to have longer term from an enterprise-wide perspective, from a long-term perspective of where you want to go with this roadmap? Yeah, probably. They probably are, given the size of your company. I mean, it, it, it's impossible to know, but you get my point, right? There's going to be a bit of a balance and a little bit of a tension here. Maybe as a phase one, all the tool you need is something like a customer data platform, a CDP. You can go subscribe to that, go buy one for a year, 20, 30, 40 grand. Is it going to be kind of enterprise class MDM? No. Is it enterprise class data quality? No. Can it help you deliver 60, 70% of a 360 when it comes to customer data? This is just one example, by the way, guys. Maybe it can. And maybe that's okay as a short-term solution to show the value here. So my point is, is that if you hire an architect as a part of that team, as a part of that kind of CDO office, you want that architect to understand, hey, where are we, want, where are we going here? Where do we think we need to be based on our wish list of items, based on all of our other constraints, based on, on where we want to be longer term? What does the architecture look like for that? And what does the architecture look like for right now? And what's the happy balance there, right? Can we go and, and subscribe to a CDP without negatively impacting our ability to be flexible and to be extensible and configurable and, 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 and have an architecture that grows in the business? Yeah, maybe you can. Maybe you can't, or maybe you can't. <laughs> it also depends on the existing architecture that you've got. So again, it's all about a balance here, but technology never solved anything on its own. It's people process technology. It's never a silver bullet. What you're going for here is an understanding of how do I deliver value? How do I deliver value? What's the fastest way to, quick, to, to do that, right? Within the constraints that I'm operating in so that we can turn around and do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And I would argue if you do this for a year, if you find a way to iterate and to deliver value against four, five, six high-level outcomes, if you can deliver some value from a customer data perspective or supplier data or whatever the key things are that really, really matter to your organization based on input from your, your peers in the C-suite, if, if you can provide value, move the needle half a dozen times over the next year, maybe three or four times over the next year, you're going to be in a far, far better position to leverage those successes to get additional funding, to take maybe a deeper look at some of the issues that we talked about before, maybe to go and do a deeper level maturity assessment, maybe to go into and, and to uh, get some uh, consultants to help uh, really focus on that longer term roadmap that we were talking about. Maybe you do bring some consultants in to help you address some of the culture or operating model issues. But if you've been doing this for a year and you've been showing value and you've got an, your CEO is ready to re-up for the next year, you're getting increased budget, you're getting increased visibility, you're getting increased traction, you're getting more of your partners saying to you, I want to work with you, right? Keep doing that. That will earn you the right to start working on some of these really longer term things like addressing some of these kind of operating model challenges, culture related challenges or maturity level challenges on the outside of this ring that's when you can start doing a little bit of both, right? Where you can keep working in MVP fashion, keep delivering value in small chunks, but then start focusing on some of the bigger, more intractable stuff, that the, the two to three year long stuff that, that you do need to address ultimately, but having the balance between the two instead of at the beginning saying, hey, I'm just going to be focusing on this long-term stuff that I probably don't have a lot of ability to influence in the short term. So, that is my MVP data strategy. If I was hired as a CDO tomorrow, 
that's an approach that I would be taking in order to make sure that I was delivering value in the short term and not getting too hung up on things that I really can't change. The things that I really don't have a ton of control over, at least in the short term. The best way to get control over those things like operating model, cultural issues and on and on is to show value and to show to your peers that you mean business and that you are able to deliver the value, which will earn you the right to start having conversations about fixing operating models and fixing corporate culture. So that's really the high level discussion point for today. I hope you found some value in this. I, I hope you found the kind of the approach here with just yours truly <laughs> talking about data stuff uh, a, a little bit different. Looking forward to the next episode of CDO Matters. This was our 14th, I think it's just kind of cool. Um, we've, we've got more coming every two weeks. We have more and more of these coming. We'll most certainly having uh, interviews with, uh, with more CDOs, uh, other kind of movers and shakers in the space. It's my privilege to bring this content to you. I hope you found some value in our conversation or at least my conversation today. Would look forward to seeing you on another episode of CDO Matters sometime soon.